Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome to Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art. This is a podcast that explores the themes of self and community healing, whether as an artist, curator, collector, or admirer. I am your host, Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a Chicano clinical psychologist with a passion for promoting and preserving Chicano Latinx art. I'm working in conjunction with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, an online marketplace that showcases and promotes the work of Chicano Latinx artists throughout the United States. Our guests for the podcast will include celebrated artists, collectors, curators, and influencers who will share their experiences and perspectives on Chicano Latinx art as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. I would like to welcome our esteemed guest, Dr. Cora Ramirez. Dr. Cora Ramirez graduated from Loyola Marymount University with a master's in marriage and family therapy with a specialty in art therapy in 2005. She became a board certified art therapist in 2021. In 2018, she received her doctorate in clinical psychology. In 2006, she opened the Galeria Azul in San Pedro, California. The Galeria Azul is an art space for local Chicano Latinx artists. Dr. Ramirez is an artist, a therapist in private practice, and a gallery owner. Welcome, Dr. Ramirez. Hola, Dr. George. Thank you for having me here today. I'm so excited to be here. Great to have you here. Can you tell us a little about your personal history? Um, well, uh, I was born in uh, here in California, uh, in Torrance, California. Um, my parents are immigrants. They migrated here from uh, Mexico. My mom's from Durango. My dad from Guadalajara. Um, I'm the first generation born here in the U.S. Um, I grew up in a working class family. Uh, my dad, uh, he became a, he's a paint uh, formulator. He's retired now, of course. And my mom worked um, in the canneries, you know, also as a housekeeper. You know, so that was kind of my, uh, what I grew up around. And um, they're currently both citizens, you know, and they're uh, retired at this time. So they're just enjoying life. When did you first realize your personal calling as an artist? You know what? It, it's, it's a, I know it's one of those questions. Uh, you know what? I, I remember always as a kid, always loving to draw. That was one of my things that I always did. 
Um, I would be in the corner. My mom, you know, she was very, uh, very Mexicana. Like, siéntate ahí. It's like, stay there. Don't, don't move. So she'd give me a little pad and paper and I would just, I would draw and I really enjoyed it. Um, my favorite gifts were always, you know, crayons, color pencils, markers, you know, notepads, uh, art paper, you know, just stuff like that. So I didn't know it was something. I just thought that was something that everybody did, you know? So it's interesting. I think in, um, middle school, high school, when I started getting into more of the advanced placement uh, drawing classes, you know, that I realized I go, oh, I guess it's something not everybody does, you know, not all my peers do, you know, so, so it's something that, yeah, I think I've always had. And then finally, when I was decided to go to college, just when I really started thinking like, oh, I can actually get a degree in this, you know, so that was kind of a, um, it's been, yeah, just one of those things that I didn't know was any big thing. I just thought it was normal. Uh, until my friends tell me, like, what are you talking about? Like, we can't even do that. And, you know, so then you start coming to the realization that, wait, what I do is not your average thing, you know. So, so yeah, that's kind of, yeah, if I think about it, that's kind of been my journey. Um, in college, though, I, that's when I realized I really had to think about what I wanted to do as, for a living. And I didn't have really quite the guidance for it. So at my dad, you know, he was like, well, you know, you can't. If you, you can't keep selling, you know, you may not sell artwork. You know, my, that's my dad. He's trying to guide me. He's like, well, you know, you got to have a job, job, you know, where you can pay the bills. And so that's when I kind of explored psychology and philosophy. I really love this, that kind of stuff, too. And um, so that's where I kind of went into that realm and decided to get a psychology degree and then still do my uh, studio art degree as well. So it was kind of my uh, just something that I kind of just fell into by uh, exploring and like I said, community college was it for me. That's kind of where I was able to explore all that, which was great. What was your first exposure to Chicano Latinx art specifically? You know what? That I didn't I get exposed to that until uh, I was in uh, college. You know, so in the university, my undergrad, and I, I, I graduated from Cal State uh, University of Dominguez Hills. So that's where I, you know, through my art appreciation classes, through uh, art history, and then through other artists, you know, so that's where I, I started getting exposed to that. Because I mean, my parents were saying they didn't know about that. They never, it's not like they, they never took me to art shows or anything. I just knew about our traditional Mexican crafts, you know, just not uh, artesanía, you know, that kind of stuff. But just something that was normal uh, for me. But then I didn't know the value of that until school. But the Chicano Latinx, the Chicano art movements, I learned about that in college. And I thought, it, I'm like, what? How come I never knew of that? You know, so I, it was something that I it, finally I was like, okay, that that's a thing, you know. That's that's kind of what I want, what I what I am, you know. So that's you know those that identity uh, uh, crisis in college. I'm like, wait, that's who I am. So it was really wonderful to discover. Thanks to higher education, I learned about them. I probably would have learned eventually, but that's where it happened. Who were some of your favorite uh, early artists or artists early in your art development career that really influenced? You as an artist. Oh man, um, you know what? I really gravitated a lot to uh, surrealist artists. I really love surrealism, and I just think once again because of the dream imagery, the the, the metaphors, you know, the stories. I love stories you know, through art, and I think so. Someone, you know, the, the typical, you know, like uh, Dali. He was one of my favorites. You know, uh, Magritte. You know, was another one of my favorites. And then that's when I started kind of then. I, within that realm, I discovered, you know, uh, Frida Kahlo and then um, even Remedio Barro. So you look at some of the, you know, the Mexican uh, women artists, too, that were in, in that realm. So I remember like, oh, my God, there's women that they do this. You know, once again, just a discovery 
you know, so that's kind of, those have been kind of my favorite uh, that I kind of went into the realm of surrealism. I love surrealism. What is your preferred medium of, of expression as an artist and why? I love uh, oil. Oil, uh, I discovered that, of course, in uh, when I was my, doing my undergrad. Uh, when I took my first oil painting class, I just fell in love with that medium. It's so, uh, it, you, you need patience for it, you know, and it has so many layers. And, it's, and it gives you time, you know, so you can think about it, you know. So I like, when I create, I like telling a story. So it, it provided that for me, you know. And then once again, it, step, it allowed me to step back and then come back to it because you have to give it time to dry and then come back to it, you know, because if you keep going, it makes you stop because it starts getting muddy, stops working. So it's one of those things that it forces you to step back and reflect, you know. So I think I love that about the oils. And then, of course, the smells and the scents that I, I love all that, too. So it has such a good feeling for me. What uh, do you think are some of the challenges for you as a Chicana, being a woman artist? Um, oh, boy. Uh, that's a, well, you know, just I think the we have the systemic uh, racism and sexism that exists. You know, so I think just being a woman many times already, I'm already entering a realm with that. And also, I think not learning about as many women artists, I think was another factor that kind of maybe contributed to not me not uh, putting myself. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. The other more sometimes, you know, so I think just having those, um, not having enough role models as women or knowing about them. I know they're out there, uh, but many times too, yeah, we don't have the exposure, uh, you know, but, but yeah, I think uh, more than anything, I think just the lack of opportunity sometimes and also being Latina just, Many times growing up around a lot of um, mostly white, uh, you know, situations or shows or, or not feeling included, you know, or having a hard time maybe connecting uh, to people. What advice do you have for young Chicano, Chicano artists? Oh, I know, how do I narrow that down? Um, <laughs> there's so much advice I could give them. Uh, you know what? One of the biggest things is I think really pursuing what you love and not letting, um, you know, traditions uh, limit you. Because sometimes our own cultural traditions can limit us uh, because of certain belief systems, or because you have to do. You're a woman, so you got to do this, or you're a woman, you can't do that. You know, I think really follow what you love and, and focus on that. And it doesn't have to be one thing either. Don't limit yourself. So I think just just go for it and. Eventually, your family, you know, is going to get it. They may think you're a little off at first. That's what happened with me. They thought I was a little weird or strange uh, for being a Mexicana. 
You know, my parents thought I was always a little off. Um, now they're very proud of me because they're like, oh, okay, we see it. So that's the one thing is always trust your gut and, and do what you love. You know, don't worry about what people think because they're always going to think something. So, you know what, just, just follow it. Follow your bliss. That's great advice. Thank you, Cora, Dr. Lamidas. Let's shift over to our art therapist uh, hat. Um, okay. what, what is art therapy? Well, art therapy is a modality. It uh, uses art uh, to, as you know, I use art as an assessment process because as people are creating, I, I get to observe the process and I get to take notes uh, observing their behaviors. Uh, it also helps people process stuff, you know, trauma, uh, anything going on. Um, it's sublimating. So you sublimate whatever's going on, whatever's going on internally comes out in your imagery in the process. And it also communicates. So it gives a person a voice in a sense, you know, so, so it was, you know, started by Margaret Nomberg and, you know, and uh, Edith Kramer. Those are the trailblazers for art therapy. So two women and they, they kind of, um, just started this in conjunction with psychotherapy and then eventually it became its own, it can be, it's its own thing as well. Uh, I typically use it more as in conjunction with my other uh, theories, you know, and it works really well. And you don't have to be an artist. A lot of people think you have to be an artist to get art therapy, um, but no, you don't have to be, and you don't have to be an artist to be an art therapist either. So it's one of those things you get, you get trained for that and it can be used with uh, children and adults, uh, you know, so, so anybody can benefit from this. Can you tell us some of the common uh, projects that you work on in art therapy? Um, well, they're not, they're not necessarily projects. Uh, it's just more uh, in session. Um, one of the things I like using, for example, I guess it, it could be a sort of a project, is um, an art. Uh, it's like a collage assessment and uh, goal. You know, you would start making goals, right? So what I do is a. Uh, I provide uh, imagery, uh, pieces of uh, cutouts. Like I'll go through magazines and cut out images and put them in a box. I have a very diverse box of images for my patients. And um, I'll have them do pick five images. I would just pick five images that speak to you. You know, and they're like, okay, there's no wrong because only you know what speaks to you. And I would stick with the same, uh, you know, prompt. So yeah, so they'll go through it, get it, and then they create. And then what we do, what we do is, you know, we put it up and we talk about it. Like, tell me about this image. This image, what does it bring up to you? And they'll talk about like why they relate to it, why you know what's going on with it. And it definitely has a lot to do with what's going on with them and the perception of the world. So it gives me a window into their perceptions of the world and also other stuff. You know, I, I had a girl once put a lot of food and then beds and and I was and I asked her, I go, and she's like, that's that's it. I'm like, okay. I go, wow. I go, have you been having a hard time with food somehow? And then she ended up, you know, she was telling me, yeah, I throw up my food. I go, oh. So she put food there. And then the bed, I go, are you struggling with sleeping? Yeah, I can't sleep. I have insomnia. You know, so it, and she she didn't know how to start it. So she used the imagery to provide that. And from there, we got into the whole, you know, she was depressed. She was had an eating disorder, you know, so it was one of those things. So it really helps with that kind of stuff, you know, so. So many times, yeah, just depending. And then once again, too, with a certain, if they have control issues, uh, many times I'll give them something more like watercolor and then to try to frustrate them and then uh, work on coping skills. You know, so that's that kind of stuff. Depending on what I use and what I'm trying to achieve, you know, for example, crayons are very regressive. Uh, so if I'm going to give a patient crayons and they have trauma as childhood, I better be ready for that because it's going to activate that. 
So, so once again, it, it all has its process as a purpose for whatever I choose to do, depending on the person and what, we're, what our goal is for the day. What are some common themes that come up for Chicanos in our therapy? Um, oh, ooh, it's a, well, let, me, let me think about my Chicano patients. <laughs> so um, many times, you know, actually the, the most typical ones are uh, family issues and identity you know, and anxiety, you know, so those are some of the things. So they'll have, you know, they'll have those images of uh, them and with other people, relationships, but also sometimes images of wanting to be by themselves, of them, you know, people by themselves going on a long road, you know, um, issues with control, like driving a car, a car, you know, just talk about control issues. And so, yeah, so definitely it has more to do with that anxiety and identity. Well, you know, art is very, uh, in of itself is sublimating. You know, you always hear about people, oh, I did my own art therapy, which they're not, they can not necessarily do an art therapy themselves, but it is very therapeutic. So the, the process of itself is very therapeutic. It's very grounding. You think about it, you know, you're when you're creating, you're looking at what you're doing, right? You're focusing on your story or imagery, whatever you're tra transferring to your canvas. Um, when you touch, you know, the, the all the different uh, media, you know, you touch, you know, you're touching colored pencils or, you know, or pastels, you know, so you're touching also the smell, you know, you these parts smell to the you smell you're there, you know, so it's, it, in of itself, it can be very healthy, but, but yeah, the self-emission part is one thing. The other part is, yeah, reflection, you know, when they're, they're looking at what they created, now they're reflecting, like, wow. So now they're putting whatever their body share, you know, because we have our body memories and our body, that's what it's doing. It's, it's, you know, it's putting our memories onto paper or onto canvas or wherever, you know, and now they get to look at that. And many times, yeah, I have people, they're talking and they're, I have them creating as they're talking. Some they're talking and they're creating. That's the other thing too. They talk a lot more because they're not uh, overthinking it. They're just creating and they're talking and, oh man, do I get some stuff, you know, because they don't realize it. And then later on, I'm like, okay, let's, let's see what you created. And let's talk about what we were talking about. You know, and yeah, they'll, sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I made that. Or I didn't, I didn't think about that. Like, yeah. So then you have these realizations sometimes. So yeah, so it's definitely very, uh, very healing. And um, I don't even know if I captured everything, but yeah, it has so many levels. But definitely for assessment as well for me, um, people with that are insecure or have anxiety many times will draw and tell me what I'm thinking, like, oh, you're probably thinking this as they're creating, you know, you're probably thinking that I'm not doing a good job, but you know, that, you know, so they're already, so they're, they're mind readers. I'm like, oh, you're a mind reader, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's what so that comes out too. So it isn't just the creating, but also the process and then also what comes out for them as they're creating. So, yeah, so there are a lot of levels. Definitely. It sounds like a very effective intervention. Um, how do you see Chicano artists contributing to community healing? Wow. Um, you know, it, well, if you look at, you know, the art process as uh, something that sublimates, uh, you know, once again, and also that's cathartic and also that provides connection. Because if you look at, I, I think of one of the things I think about are like community murals, you know, by Chicano artists and also just the messages that are given out to the community and people coming and looking at that and connecting with it and really getting a some type of, you know, trigger to their experiences and knowing like, wow, they, their experience or what I'm experiencing, or yeah, I get that, they get me, you know? So I think it's part of that. That's one of the big things. The thing is that connection and knowing that you're not alone and others get you, that they're thinking this, 
you know, it inspires, it uh, makes the neighborhoods, you know, look, uh, you know, nicer, you know, it, it provides that pride, you know, so I think part of that is, and then more than anything, the story, you know, sharing, you're sharing your story and others see it. And even in an art show, when you put an art show and they see the Chicano art and you're like, that's right. That's how it was. Or, or I get it. Or wow, I feel it. Right. So just they're, they're connecting, they're, they're connecting with their viewer. They're sharing what their experiences, maybe consciously or unconsciously, but also the viewer is experiencing like, wow, you know, so I think it's such a probably deep connection. And what's the most amazing thing is if you can meet this Chicano artist and say like, wow, look at, I really, I feel this, you know, and just sharing and talking and thinking of itself is healing too and, and therapeutic because you feel understood, you feel heard, you know? So I think that's the power of art can does. It gives you a voice beyond uh, so many realms. I, I noticed that uh, during the COVID epidemic that you were doing, uh, you were running support groups for people uh, to kind of help deal with the stressors of the COVID epidemic. Can you talk about some of your other community projects that you've worked on? Um, well, I do. I know sometimes what I do is I, I think in and of itself, when we have um, art shows, like group shows, that's kind of one of the community things that I, I do um, to promote, you know, connection and to educate the community. Um, I am currently, one of the things that I'm actively involved in is I'm a board member for the San Pedro Waterfront Arts District. So that's here in San Pedro. And then so what we do is we provide, you know, we raise funds to be able to hire artists and pay them so that they can earn money, especially during the pandemic. We really were trying to get money to pay artists to do some public artworks. And so that they, they pay. So a lot of it is, yeah, making sure that artists are able to get paid and, and be supported you know, and so that we can keep that going. Uh, so that's one of the uh, boards that I'm, I'm a part of, and I'm happy to be part of that. I'm one of the few Latinas that was in it. And now we're, uh, you know, addressing some of the blind spots, which is cool. That's why it's important to be part of the community in, in some way or other to help address any blind spots. So definitely uh, there's been a few more members that have introduced and which has been great. And yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, projects. And I feel really proud to be part of that is providing more opportunities for artists, not just as a gallery, but also in the community as being a member of an organization like that. How does one become an art therapist, Dr. Domitis? Well, uh, it's, it's funny because uh, my undergrad, I did psychology and art, right? So without realizing I was going to be an art therapist, I just did that because that's what I wanted to do. And um, I went and I worked for about five years. And it was funny because in the art program in my undergrad, they, they told me about art therapy, which is ironic because I didn't get, I, I was not told about that in psychology. Uh, psychology programs were wondering like, why are you doing art? That is weird. So they didn't even realize that art therapy was a thing. The artist did. Which, you know, that's why I was, the artists are always good to me. I love them. And um, so I remember graduating and in working for about five years. I worked for a battered woman shelter, you know, as a, um, as a legal advocate, you know, voice for, for women. And then I would go at night and volunteer for the shelter, the women's shelter, and do archivists for the women. And, you know, so, so you know, what I did is I went back to a research school. So I went to Loyola Marymount University, which was the only program at the time that was providing the art therapy degree in uh, conjunction with the marriage and family therapy degree, uh, because there's really no, here in California, you can't be an art therapist. You can't be a licensed art therapist. You're not, you're not going to get paid what you deserve, you know? So what this program does is it combines marriage and family therapy. So you can actually get paid, um, and, you know, get a license to provide psychotherapy and then still use the art therapy as a, a, in conjunction with that. 
Um, there are other states that actually do pay you as an art therapist, as a professional uh, in the healing arts community. But, uh, but here, yeah, you have to do uh, your undergraduate psychology and then art, uh, studio art also. And then when you get to your master's program, they're going to require that, that you have the psychology and the art, which was cool because when I applied for it, I already had everything I needed without realizing that I, I needed that. What advice do you have for any uh, audience or any listeners who would like to become art therapists? Well, you know, if you're going to be an art therapist, definitely do it because you love it. Uh, you know, you can get, you know, if you want to make good money, definitely get here at least in California, you want to do something like that, like get a, a license that's either as a marriage therapist or a psychologist, whatever you want to do with your licensing. And you can always get um, a certification as an art therapist as well. Uh, here in California, they don't have a license yet, you know, for that. But yeah, if you want to be somebody who helps others in using the arts and the healing arts, then definitely go for it. It's, you know, helping others, dealing with a lot of trauma and different things is no easy feat. So you have to definitely be somebody who loves to help others. And, and that's why we're doing it. So you are an artist and you are an art therapist. And then you open a gallery. So now you are also a gallery founder. Can you tell us about Galeria Azul and how that got started? Well, um, well we opened uh, Galeria Azul uh, in 2006. So that, that's, that's one of those things that was working while I was doing, you know, <laughs> after I graduated with my uh, master's, that's when we opened it. Or, yes, we opened it. Um, yeah, so what we did is we moved to San Pedro. We really liked that community and um, we found this cool little live works uh, space. It was a loft. And in order to rent it, we needed to have a license, a business license. So that's so opening Galleria Soul was kind of one of those things that we wanted to live in the space. Therefore, well, you know what? Let's well, my husband and I, my husband is also an artist. So, like, well, let's just open an art gallery. We're both artists. Shoot, let's do it. You know, so so we did it and we named it after our daughter. Our daughter, her name is Harmony Azul uh, Vasquez. So we named it after her, Asul Gallery. And um, yeah, so we, we did, we started with ourselves and then we started participating in the first Thursday Art Walk and then realized, you know what? We're not gonna be making that much art every month, you know? So then we started with our, our art group. So our first um, group show was at Dia de los Muertos. And that was in 2006, once again, in uh, November. And it was very new to San Pedro. They didn't know what that was. So I really enjoyed uh, educating the community, uh, you know, so it was, so it was something that kind of just in a sense happened, you know, so with that one, we invited other artists, friend, artist friends that we knew like, Hey, do you have any art for Dia de los Muertos? Let's do that. And they did. And we had a wonderful show and the community came in and they were just like, what is this? This is creepy. Or is this Halloween? Is this Mexican Halloween? And just all the stereotypes and misinformation. Um, and of course it was nice to, uh, inform everybody and teach them about El Dia de los Muertos. Now, um, San Pedro, a few years later, decided to start doing that too, because there were a few other vendors that, or uh, store owners that actually knew about El Dia de los Muertos and they loved that we did that. You know, so after that, they created uh, Dia de los Muertos. Now there's a big festival in San Pedro. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was founded by kind of by accident, you know. Um, but now we've, we've you know, we throughout time, we continued working with it and created our vision of, providing opportunities for emerging working artists of various cultural backgrounds, because that was the other thing. All the galleries in San Pedro were, didn't have any Latinx Chicano art. So that was the other thing. We're like, you know, that's what we're providing once again. So 
our gallery has been evolving as we have been evolving in a sense. Yeah. What would you see as the mission and philosophy of the gallery? Well, our, I think our, um, we definitely want to provide a culture through art, you know, so that's one of the main things is, and really utilize uh, our space that we have to provide, you know, exhibitions. That's why we do a lot of group exhibitions to emphasize social cultural issues. You know, um, we've had like, uh, there was stuff going on with the border, which is always going on. Um, we had an art show called Crossing Over and artists created art related about, you know, borders, you know. So it was a really great show, you know, just bringing one thing and providing a platform for dialogue. And I think I really believe as artists, we have the power and the obligation uh, to bring awareness. Of course, I don't want to pressure all the other artists, but at least for me, you know, and I think our space is that. So artists that believe that same philosophy definitely, uh, you know, are a magnet to us. They'll, they'll follow through and they'll do shows. And we, so we've made a lot of good friends in our gallery that really agree with that philosophy and that we keep meeting them. Um, but yeah, definitely creating and then promoting discussion and critical thinking about the various social cultural issues that impact us, you know. So that's our kind of our, our underlying vision and uh, philosophy of our gallery. So yeah, because we have the space, we we're able to do it, and that's what we want to use it for. If you could put together a dream exhibit, who would be included and why? Um, that was a that's a good question. Such a such an exciting question, and um, I know it. There's so many possibilities, but I think I'm going to stick with, even right now, we have a show at Corazon that's going to be opening soon. And I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, that would be a good, uh, I think that would be in of itself. It doesn't matter the theme. I think the dream is really who I, I would want in my show. Um, and I think of just one thing in the greats, you know, I have, I think of Diego Rivera, David Alfredo Siqueiros, Rufino Tamayo, you know, I have women too, Remedio Varo, um, Tamara de Lampica, I love her work, you know. Uh, Frida Kahlo, you know, Maria Esquerdo, you know, how all these women and men, if they created hearts, they'd be so amazing. <laughs> so, so I think it's more about my group. Like if I could curate uh, this little group of people, you know, and, and they were around and it was possible, that would be just the most amazing just to hang out with them and pick their brains. What factors do you think have significantly contributed to the popularity of Chicano art today? You know, and I think uh, uh, some of the major factors are definitely um, social media. I, I do believe just because we're able to share more and uh, it, it's given us more exposure and more awareness. And I think also just uh, because of that, you're having, you know, cities creating uh, uh, opportunities for artists to expose and to, to celebrate. You know, we have his, for example, you have Hispanic Heritage Month, which is wonderful because it provides those opportunities of exposure. So, and also, yeah, so when you have that, then you have people jumping on board, right? You have other galleries now trying to make sure that they have, um, that they're identifying in any, um, you know, they're not any blind spots, they have any cultural blind spots, right? So, so I think that awareness is what is promoting that. And then people, of course, they jump on, jump on, jump on board and then they share, you know? So I think social media has been a big factor. And yeah, and definitely the celebration of our, our heritage, uh, do things like Hispanic Heritage. Um, Los Angeles has that Hispanic Heritage calendar, which is wonderful and uh, gives, you know, highlights, uh, showcases Latinx artists. Uh, so things like that, I think, is what has been helping. 
your daughter is an extremely talented artist. From the time she was a little girl, I remember seeing images of her art that were that looked as if they had been done by an adult. And I understand that she is now in college majoring in art. Yes, <laughs> she is. And she has grown up and all her life, all she's known is art and art galleries and art museums. Whenever we travel, we go to museums. You know, this is something. Uh, one thing I did was not push it on her because I didn't want her to hate it. Because my biggest fear is many times when kids grow up as around parents with certain professions or things, they hate it, right? So my my goal was I don't want her to hate it. And I just would, you know, we would just do stuff. And then she's like, oh, can I do it? Oh, sure, you can. You know, just letting her do her own process. And she did. She just really has always been captivated by the creative process. And yeah, since she was little, she would make little, she would make things, even when she was little, she would make things to sell. She was always uh, selling things, you know, which was so cute to make money, you know, <laughs> to, to buy little things here and there. But, uh, but yeah, she's just, you know, she really challenges herself. You know, she, she would look at some of these artists, their work, she would, I would see her sometimes draw, trying to draw it, you know, on her own and uh, try to recreate it. And, and also just looking at us, she'd be like, well, I, what, I hope one day I can draw like you guys, like what you will, Harmony, you just have to be patient. And now she, I think she draws better than, actually she does. And that I think she does draw better than my husband and I. And she's still, she's just finishing up her um, sophomore year in uh, Cal State University, Northridge. What are your hopes and dreams for your daughter as a young Chicana artist? You know what? I hope that she definitely um, does. And I know she's not going to limit herself. I think I raised her uh, enough to really push herself and not ever feel that she can't do anything she puts her mind to. Uh, and I really hope that she continues with that. I hope nothing stops her. Thank you, Doctora Ramirez, for that vibrant and insightful presentation on art therapy, on your career as an artist and as a gallerist. I encourage anyone who is in the San Pedro area to please stop by Galeria Azul and support the gallery. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Ramirez, for being here with us today. Thank you, Dr. George. Thank you for joining us on Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art. Please continue to tune into our series as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx Art. Also, don't forget to visit the website www.latinoarte.com in order to view the beautiful array of Chicano Latinx art that is available to add to your own collection. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without. 
trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.